For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is Jeff Bedouten with Believe in Chiefs on the Believe Podcast Network, Kansas City's number one sports podcast network. The only place with a show for every team in Casey and more. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? On this week's show, former Chiefs offensive lineman Joe Valero and I are joined by Blair Kirkhoff, covers the Chiefs for the Kansas City Star and is host of the Star's daily podcast, Sportsbeat KC. Thanks for joining us, Blair. Hey, great to be here. Thanks for the invitation. You bet. Well, we'll start. Blair, what is wrong with the Chiefs defense? Why is the offense turning it over so much? And are these two issues fixable? Well, you've hit the high notes, right? Right off the bat. Those are the two most obvious issues with the Chiefs and has uh, most that are most responsible for their two and three record and still last place position in the AFC West. Um, Where do you want to start? We can, we can start with the defense. Uh, So many problems and uh, in, in every game, it's not as if uh, they, they gave us one of their five games where you said, Oh no, the defense was, was was really good that day, and in the other ones, there it hasn't been. I I didn't know this until I saw the graphic during the Sunday night game that the Chiefs are the first team in NFL history to give up at least 29 points in their first five games of a season. So that's not good. Um, that that uh, that's not going to work. And, and and yet, you know, I, I actually think that even with the, the as badly as the defense has been playing. The you know if it weren't for the propensity of turnovers, they could have won a couple mm-hmm. of the, the games that yeah. they've lost. So they 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 work in tandem the, the the poor defense and the turnovers on offense, and they have added up to give the Chiefs this this record and this position that we're not used to seeing at least in the Andy Reid era of, uh, of of Chiefs coaching. Blair, may I ask you this? I, I saw I saw some stuff out on social media where people were, def- believe it or not, after, after throwing those statistics out there that you just threw out there and knowing that the defense definitely has, has some work ahead of us, they got, they got a long road ahead, people were still defending it and saying, well, the defense made the stops they needed to in the Bills game. It was really the Tyreek, you know, the ball bouncing off of Tyreek. It, it was the turnovers. It was the Tyreek drop of that third down conversion that could have, you know, could have been critical at that point. Like, I, I was just like, wow, that must be, a, that's a really diehard Chiefs fan that's reaching for, cause I, I gotta, I have to, you know, agree with you that this is a defensive problem. I think the, the, the offense hasn't been without its warts this year and in, in sort of the juggling between, you know, what they do with Kelsey and Hill and how they can't seem to mesh on the same game. It's like one or the other uh, has it. And, and I gotta, I'm going to, I'm going to pull one of those like Homer, it was my fault things where people say, well, I didn't wear my lucky socks and the team lost. I jinxed us because 
Jeff will tell you, I've been saying for the last like four weeks, well, the Chiefs just really need to shore up the mid-range passing game because they never get beat deep. <laughs> oh, my God. You know, you know Josh Allen's airing it out. I'm yeah. like, everything deep. I'm like, that was my fault. So I wanted to call – Called well, Andy Reid and be like, Andy, I'm the re- I'm the reason. I, I, I said that it wasn't going to be any deep balls, and they all came. So I don't know. Do you, do you think people are are is that valid that they're even defending this defense at all? Oh, I I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think you can defend the defense. I, I will say this: it's in just specific to Sunday night's game. It was 24 to 13 at halftime, and the Chiefs did force punts on Buffalo's first three possessions coming out of halftime. Mm-hmm. And that hadn't happened this year. Three straight punts by an, an opponent. What, what, what was going on? But, of course, during that was, was the, uh, the pick six, uh, where the ball bounces off of Tyreek Hill's hands and into the arms of Micah Hyde, who takes it in for the, you know, for the touchdown to make it uh, 31-13. And so it didn't seem to matter if the defense got some stops early in the third quarter because of the, uh, because of the, other, the other major problem that the Chiefs are having. But – if you want to go back and and kind of trace the you know the the moves that were made in in the off season that may explain some of the problems that the Chiefs are having, um, they go out and get uh, you know Jaron Reed and you know plug him in the middle, and that's going to allow Chris Jones to move outside. And nobody questioned that. Everybody thought that was okay. Reed comes in with a good reputation, can plug the middle. Chris Jones wants to play outside. He can get to the you know. Uh, get his sack totals up, get to the passer, even though he was a, you know, a great disruptive force as a, as a defensive tackle. And so it starts up front. Well, Reed's not having anywhere near the type of season that was envisioned for him. And Chris Jones, although he didn't play on Sunday, you know, made an impact in the opener against the Browns with a couple sacks, but really hasn't played great at that, uh, you know, outside. Uh, so, so there's your problem up front at linebacker. There's no, there's the speed is not NFL speed there with even look, I, I love Anthony Hitchens. I, you know, he's a, he's a great leader, just not fast. And, um, and, and Ben Neiman, not, not fast. So not mm-hmm. athletic. I, I think in, a, in an ideal world, Nick Bolton and Willie Gay Jr. Are going to, uh, are going to get many more snaps uh, in, in this, uh, you know, on this, on the defense. And then on the back end, I think the corners are playing fine. Um, but my gosh, I mean, you, you can't avoid talking about Daniel Sorensen. It has just been a disastrous year for up until now. I, I, I think you can fairly say he's been a useful player for the Chiefs, certainly above average special teams player and a guy that didn't get you beat on defense when he was playing safety. But it's, it's gone too far now. The, the, the long touchdown pass to, to Dawson Knox in the, uh, in the Buffalo game really exposed Daniel Sorensen. And, of course, that was the play where Tyron Matthew was seen holding up his arms, right? Like, like oh, my gosh, where's, where's the coverage here? So I, I, I think that that's gone long enough, and we're going to see Juan Thornhill with many more snaps uh, at that position this weekend against the, the Washington football team. So that's sort of the by layer, right? By level, what I think some of the, the mm-hmm. main problems on, on the defensive side are. But maybe, maybe you can say overall, nobody is having a, a good year for the Chiefs. Even Tyron Matthew is not having a good year for, you know, for Chiefs. He had the pick six against Baltimore, but, um, but I don't hear his name called. I'm at the games, and I don't hear the public address announcer saying, you know, mm-hmm. 
Matthew on the tackle, or I just don't hear that a lot. So it's a little, everybody's got, uh, you know, a part of the blame for this and, um, and, and they better get it fixed uh, pretty yeah. soon. So that's sort of in a nutshell, the, the, the defensive part of the equation. You know, that, Blair, great points there. And, yeah, Sorensen really has been kind of the whipping boy. And, you know, some of it in years past people talked about, and I think he kind of got poked fun of a little bit. He's, you know, kind of a, a pale white guy who's balding a little bit, doesn't look like the typical um, defensive back. But he had made some great, like you said, special teams plays, some really clutch plays in the playoffs in the, in the, versus the Chargers in, in Mexico. But, obviously, we, we've seen on tape, you mentioned that, that a very obvious play. Um, I'm also interested what you said about Matthew. He had the two interceptions, like you mentioned, in the first game against Baltimore. But I'm wondering if there might be something there, too. He, he was the defensive leader, probably the second best player to Chris Jones on the defensive side during so many of the Chiefs' victories. But, you know, I'm kind of wondering. He's getting up in age. The fact that the Chiefs haven't given him a contract extension, you know, it's possible he might have lost a step. And he was, you know, that could have been a factor. Yeah, could it, could it be a little bit of a distraction for him that's affected yeah, his that, game? Yeah. I, I wouldn't rule out that uh-huh. as, as a possibility. And I, I think he, he is a leader. He's vocal. He's, um, you know, he's always trying to put people in the right position. Uh, but I don't think he's so good that, uh, that, that he can make a difference all by himself. I think he needs good players around him or, or, or players who are having a good season around him. You know, he's been an all-pro in each of his two – seasons with the Chiefs mm-hmm. and in 2019 over the second half of the season he, he was fantastic and that's also when Juan Thornhill as a rookie um, played really really well down the stretch for the Chiefs and, um, and, and look Matthew played he had a fine season in, in 2020 although Thornhill you know had that was was coming off the ACL injury uh, and but this year it's just not been you know, you're, you keep looking for someone to step up and make a play. And look, I know we've already touched on the turnovers, but the other side of that is the Chiefs haven't turned over anybody in three games, right? So mm-hmm. they've committed uh, or, or they've had 11 giveaways since their last takeaway. That's, that's ridiculous. I mean, that, that's unheard of to, um, you know, to have, you know, interceptions and turn and fumbles and not to force any, in that time, you can't – I don't care how good you are, how good your quarterback is. You, you're not going to win in the NFL against good teams. And make no mistake, the Chiefs have been playing good teams, right? The Bills are 4-1. The Chargers are 4-1. The, 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 the Ravens with a you know, Monday night football win this week that was really neat, they're 4-1. Cleveland, I don't think we, we can dismiss at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, all playoff caliber teams. And, yeah, and, and except for the Cleveland game, in which the Chiefs were plus two in turnovers, uh, they have been minus in turnovers in each of those losses, and, and in tw- two of them, minus four. Blair, do you think, I mean, look, not to put you on the spot, but, you know, is, it, is this a scheme issue? Is it a talent issue? Is it a combination of both? Like, I've always talked about, I, I love the four-two-five defense. Like, I, you know, I'm, oh my God, here I am comparing coaching high school football to, to the NFL. But we ran, when I was uh, coaching high school football, we, we ran the four, two, five and the high school that I was coaching at still runs it to this day. And I, I, when, when the defensive coordinator came on board, I was really excited about it because it was, it was the same defense that we ran when I was in high school, because I just think if you get the right talent into that defense, 
in the NFL especially, right? I mean, the days of the old 4-4 are gone. Like, you can't, you can't have two big outside linebackers, two hulking middle linebackers, and four D-backs anymore. It's gone. Like, it's we all know that. You know? The speed is is too much. When you got people like Travis Kelsey and Kittle and these tight ends that are really basically wide receivers in a, in a, in a, in a big guy's body, you just – it's over, right? You got these – this incredible scat backs coming out of the backfield, running quarterbacks like Lamar Jackson and even, even Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes who can, who can put the wheels on. And, and so I, I mean, are the chiefs just caught in a, in a, in a tough spot right now with not being able to match up the right talent to Spagnola's four, two, five. Cause I know at the beginning of the year, they were trying to four, three again, because, you know, Teran Matthew was out, right? He, had co- he was on COVID protocol. COVID so. for the first game, right. So, like, I, w- Jeff and I talked about that. Like, it was like a base 4-3. And then, of course, you know, you don't have Willie Gay in there. And then, oh, my God, now what? We can't really run the 4-3. Teran back. Like, I, I don't know. I'm just going to throw that out to you. I, I said a lot, but. Well, I, you, and you said that you hit on the key word, too, and that's, and that's speed, right? That's, to me, that's. In a four-two-five, you, you get you get better athletes, uh, faster athletes, I should say, not necessarily better, but faster athletes on the field, and that to me is what it's all is, is what playing football in the NFL, really football at any level right now is is speed. Look at look at team, look at the, what the Chiefs try to do to people with Tyreek mm-hmm. Hill and McCole Hardman. Um, they try to get you with their speed, and the Bills defense on 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 Sunday night. Uh, did not allow the chief. You didn't see any jet sweeps. Uh, you didn't see end around. You didn't see the type of plays that we're used to seeing with the chiefs because Bill's linebackers and safeties, great speed, great, mm-hmm. great speed. And, and, and look, field conditions in the second half had something to do with it as well because uh, of all the rain that we got that delayed the game at, you know, at halftime. But, but I'm, I'm with you on that, Joe. I, I think a team in any way you can get, uh, more speed on the field is the way to go. But what has to come with that, and I hate to circle back to Daniel Sorensen, um, is, is the ability to tackle. And we, we, we make it sound like, oh, tackling, that's, that's yeah. just so fundamental. I think it's a skill, and the Chiefs aren't doing it well this season. Uh, they're, they're, uh, they, I don't know if I can find a, a list or a stat of missed tackles anywhere, but I suspect if there is one, the Chiefs are – pretty high up on that list so you know it's one thing to get to the you know to the ball but if you if you're missing the tackle and you're you know you you failed on the play and and we're seeing way too much of that with the Chiefs this year you know what you know when tackles weren't missed back in Marty time equaled Lombardi time (laughs) and and we would go 13 days in a row of full pad two a days nobody missed tackles we should start going back to the four hour practices Joe that right you know I mean geez you know I look that has to have a has to play a little bit into it I mean I don't care what anybody says you know it's a different game these days right I mean you know Jeff and I have this little running joke that September is the new preseason you know because what are you doing at preseason that's really getting you ready to go against Josh Allen Lamar Jackson you know let's pick down the road you know the Titans with Henry and these big bruising backs like nothing is getting you ready for that and and I look I'm all for the player safety don't get me wrong I don't want to see us backtrack with you know the game changing um, back to the days of, you know, just complete smash mouth football either. I, I do like the product that's out there, but it, it does, 
lead lead you to think, you know, God is are are these players really prepared to make tackles based on the limited amount of time that they can actually practice it? And you know, it's, I'm actually kind of defending them a little bit, you know, in in that it's really hard. It's really hard to simulate that, you know, on a dummy or you know, on a you know in a in a in a thud drill. That that goes for training camp and and during the season, right? The the one day a week you can hit, and now they're. You know, there's one fewer preseason game, even, mm-hmm. and and next year there could be, you know, even, and I, we're not getting that back. They're, they're, they'll go the other way on preseason games right. if if they go in any direction. Well, we're back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back for another football season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With the new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, BetOnline continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Don't forget to use our promo code BELIEVE to receive your bonus. From football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. And we're here, we're back here with Blair Kirkhoff, who covers the Chiefs for the Kansas City Star and is also the host of the Star's daily podcast, Sports Beat KC. Uh, Blair, you mentioned how the defense did for the Chiefs get a little bit better uh, in the second half, especially the third quarter. And Andy Reid mentioned that when he was trying to take positives from the game. I, and I do wonder if some of that, though, was that the rain delay, the, chief, the, the Bills had all this momentum and they, they might have gotten a, a little rusty. And also, you know, the Chiefs had 75 minutes to break down everything that went wrong. I, questions for both of you guys. Blur, I'm curious kind of what you did for, for during the rain delay. Were you able to just kind of work ahead on your stories? And, Joe, have you ever had like a long delay like that? What do you do? Micah Hyde of the Bills, the guy who made the big – pick six play actually said he's like you know we had a good time we're we we like hanging around each other we're like family we ate peanut butter and jelly sandwiches listen to music so yeah take me through both you guys kind of how you spent the rain delay go ahead Blair I'll I'll let you start okay well I'll go briefly because I'm interested in hearing uh what Joe has to say but uh well first of all uh we weren't so you're sitting in the press box at the game and you're monitoring the the events there they put an announcement on the scoreboard mm-hmm. for fans to to take cover so you have 75,000 fans had to get out of their seats and uh through the you know into, into the concourse area and just take cover uh so about what is it an NFL halftime now it's like 13 14 minutes or something mm-hmm. it's really short uh compared to certainly compared to colleges and other football um, so with, with about 10 minutes to go or, or 10 minutes elapsed and, and two or three minutes to go, neither team had come on the field. So they had gotten word that there was going to be a delay. We did not get that word really until the second half should have started. Of course, there was nobody on the field at that mm-hmm. point. Well, you're right. Um, so time passes and, uh, you know, you, you, you go up and get an extra chicken tender or, you know, something, something to, something to munch on. Um, and you talk about the game and, and listen, it was an interesting inter- – there were interesting developments in the first half of that game. So we, we did start to sort out some ideas on what we would write about and how we would frame the game uh, in, in the newspaper. So, you know, it's kind of boring, but, but I, I'd be curious to know what players go through on, in a situation like this. And, frankly, the, the timing was such that it, at least it was at halftime. They got the first half in yeah. and it came right at halftime. 
it wasn't, you know, a- after a play, right? And, and you'd have eight minutes to go in the second quarter and you had to clear the field. Yeah, I mean, uh, to, be on- to be honest, Jeff, in-, in six years that I played, we never had a delay uh, for-, for any game. The only thing that we had that came close to that, which could have been, was we were playing the Bears on a Thursday night football preseason game and the lightning got so bad, it was one of the first – well, not one of the first, but one of the only games that's ever actually been canceled in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And because it was a preseason game, they basically just said, look, um, Coach Schottenheimer walked across the field. The coaches shook hands and said, hey, what do you think? He's like, look, it's our third preseason game. The starters are already done. We've seen everything we need to see. Let's just call it. <laughs> like That obviously was not happening in a regular season game – you know, matchup of the, of the AFC championship, you know, so, you know, uh, 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 you know, a rematch of the AFC championship. I did, I wasn't going back to high school football. I was involved in one as a coach in high school though. And it was a playoff game and it was, believe it or not, it was against the high school that I was coaching at. I coached for about 11 years versus my own high school that I went to. (laughs) So that was, first of all, that was never a good homecoming, right? Being on a team that, pretty much dominated the league. And then I go coach for a team that now is dominating that team. Not good for my hometown friends and family. That, that might've uh, been divine intervention, Joe. Yeah, that, yeah. But, but, but the, um, the I'll, I'll never forget the kid, you know, and high school kids are so resilient, right? We were, it was a pretty close game. It was a playoff game. It was really close. The lightning came down. They said, Look, we're going to go, you know, whatever the Pennsylvania interscholastic rules are. It's like every 30 minutes you can go back out and readjust if you don't see a lightning strike or whatever. And we had like, you know, it was like five or six delays, but they didn't want to cancel the game and they didn't want to postpone it because it was playoffs. So the kids, we, we were, our, our makeshift locker room was near the music room. Um, that the opposing team had given us. So there were two kids who could play the piano. So the kids did dueling pianos for about an hour. <laughs> and they sat, and I'm telling you, the kids went out there so loose and so ready, and, and, and our team dominated. And here's the funny thing. I was talking to the other – they heard the music. So I was talking to one of the coaches that I, I grew up with, actually, from the team that we were playing – and he was like, what was all that? What was going on? What were you doing? There was singing and music. I said, yeah, the kids were doing like dueling pianos and basically made their own karaoke nightclub. And, and I said, how about you guys? He said, oh, we were like, everybody was real tense and they were trying to figure out whether we should eat something. And they were trying to make all these big decisions. And we went out and played loose and ended up winning by like three touchdowns. So there's something to be said for that, Jeff, about grabbing a PB&J, putting the radio on, and, you know, just it's a game. Josh Allen said it best. He's, you know, it's a game and he's not going to go into it, you know, really tight. So I, you know, I, I think that that's probably the best way to do it and go about it when you get a situation like that. Well, hopefully Andy Reid is listening to this pod because next time they have a rain delay, <laughs> you know, to go with the dueling pianos, dueling pianos. Uh, speaking of coverage, uh, Blair and media, something I kind of wanted to d- discuss with you is just how, it, things are changing so much. You know, it's interesting. I, I covered the Chiefs uh, for Forbes.com, and it's because, you know, Forbes, they were looking with the Chiefs being so talented with Mahomes. They were looking for Ryder. And I, I grew up in Kansas City, had some contacts. You know, I grew up rooting for Joe Valerio, watching him. I grew up reading the Star every day, reading your college, especially your college basketball stuff I used to love, Blair. Uh, but, you know, when I took this job, I'm like, it'll be, it'll be uh, – 
a, a great gig, but I was a little bit concerned that not I live in Chicago, not being in Kansas City, I thought, sure, I'll get to a handful of games and practices, but I'm really going to be on the outside looking in. Uh, but since the uh, pandemic and they, they've gotten rid of open locker room, I basically just watch video of the press conferences. I'm able to see all the games. It, it's just a different – I'm actually not – in a lot of the interviews to get one-on-ones these days, I'm trying to go through, you know, a Tyreek Hill's agent and see if he has a product he's endorsing and talk to him about the product and talk to him a little bit about the, um, about the chiefs. So it's just interesting that now it, it's just a very different dynamic without the open locker room. Blair, I, I, I'm curious, just your thoughts on how different it is covering a team now and Joe, your thoughts on, on not, you know, not having an open locker room, that, that must be such a different phenomenon for the players. Well, it changes everything for us. And the, uh, you know, just the sort of the, this season, the way the season unfolding is a, is a great example. You'd like to kind of get a gauge of the mood of, mm-hmm. of the players in the locker room. And there's, there's so many conversations between a player and a, and a reporter that happen in the locker room that never get printed or, you know, never get broadcast, but they're just intended, at least from my perspective, intended to make me smarter about the team. And uh, that's all, you know, the offensive linemen were the absolute best, the absolute best. I could, I could hang out for you know, the, the entire 45 minutes open period that we had during the week and just, and just talk to offensive linemen who I always thought, you know, they, they, they know what's going on and they, they shoot the breeze with you and that, but but it's true. It really is true of any any player in there. I, I just enjoyed talking and and getting to know the player and getting to know the team better and 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 getting a you know just getting a sense of the mood of the team and that that's gone. And even when the um, when this pandemic is over and it can't happen soon enough, a lot of us in the media wonder if the lockman up again if they're going to be reopened. Uh, we don't know that. And I don't know if the players are, are growing more comfortable with it like it is. And the shame of that would be for us um, in a post-game situation where you, instead of getting the three players that the Chiefs select to go to the podium, you know, oh, it's always Patrick Mahomes and, um, and usually Tyron Matthew, but another one or two sort of stars of the game. You know, I would go into a locker room after a game and talk to a dozen people. And, and, and maybe not only quote two or three, but, you know, you'd want to find out what happened on a, on a certain play. And you can't do – you just can't do that now. And um, you, you could have it, gotten Sorensen's take, you know, after – I'm sure everyone wanted to talk to him after that, that big Knox play. And, you know? and, and before you answer, Joe, I'm just saying pretty much everybody I've ever dealt with is pretty stand-up about this stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, they'll, they'll come – you know, I, I, Dan Sorensen would have stood at his locker and, and talked about what happened on that play. And he wouldn't have enjoyed – absolutely not enjoy doing it, but understands that when he's talking to the media, he's talking to fans. And, uh, and that's it's how you communicate with fans is, is through the media. Uh, we've, we've talked to players who've dropped passes and, you know, thrown interceptions and lost fumbles and that sort of thing. And so I, I have the utmost respect for the players who, who did that. Hey, just as an aside, Byron Pringle came to the podium after the game on Sunday. Look, he did catch a touchdown pass, but he fumbled a kickoff too, right? So I, I respected that. Yeah. No, Blair, you, that's a great segue. And Lynn Elliott was my example of that. My God, the poor guy is over there by himself, you know, and just surrounded by reporters, stood up and said, I missed him. 
Like I, there was nothing he was going to say. There was no excuses. He missed those field goals against the Colts and he stood up, you know, like a gentleman and took the heat and you missed that, right? You missed that. I missed those either super ecstatic, you know, guys ripping the tape off their hands and, you know, pulling their pads off and yeah, you know, and just like seeing them on ESPN or seeing them on television or hearing about it in the paper, like you just, I missed that. And I also missed the somber ones, you know, the ones where their guys got their heads hanging down and just like, well, we lost. We're, you know, we're going to, you can, you can feel the emotion when the locker room is open. Would you have been kind of glad not to have to deal with that? No, Jeff, I, I actually, I think now maybe I'm taking a different tact on this uh-huh. because I, I like the fact that when, when Marty was done, okay, now I'm going back different media time, right? Not uh-huh. social media, there's no social media, you know, there's not everybody's phone is a camera, you know, everybody's, you know, uh, phone is a video, right? It's, a, it's right. like having a, a Betamax, right? Carrying around. But like, I like the fact that when Marty was done saying what he had to say, when the team captains got together, said what they had to say, and then and then every and then the media came in, it was like, all right, now we can just relax and be done with this game. Like there, I I I didn't want to be, I didn't want to sit around with just the guys after a loss. Like I just didn't want, I just wanted to sit there. Like, what are you going to do? You're just taking your tape off. I think I think it actually helps players overcome. The law, I, help, I think it helps them overcome losses, and I think it actually helps them appreciate the wins when the media gets to come into the locker room after a game, post-game, because it's the finality of it. It's, it's telling your story, getting it over with, pulling the Band-Aid off in the loss case, celebrating the win when you win with the media, and then you move on to the next game. I would not want to sit there and brood. I would not want to have been in that locker room with the cheese for – for you know an hour getting my treatment getting my tape off getting my shower getting ready you know to dress and go home like i would have wanted the media to come in to take the pressure off and i'm just, I, maybe that's a different tack but i it just it the finality of it was so good and 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 the celebration of it with the media was so good i loved watching players get interviewed you know and and i loved getting interviewed you know when i was lucky enough to score or something everybody wanted to talk about the tackle eligible play i loved it i loved that i loved sharing my excitement with the fans you know and and getting to tell the story of the game i loved watching the body language of players when they were getting interviewed i i'm sure and i'm sure blair will probably corroborate my story here i'm sure that that when you when you're a really good reporter you're looking at the body language of all the other players when somebody else is getting interviewed like i remember once someone coming over to me and it might it might have been kent pulliam it might have been kent i laughed when he was interviewing they were interviewing somebody about a play and the player gave like the worst and like not the worst answer in in the sense that it, he 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 just he just didn't he didn't tell the story right about the play. And I kind of laughed and Kent came running over and goes, what Joe, why, why'd you, why did you laugh about that? And I said, well, I said, that wasn't the way that that play happened. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I, and he was like, Oh really? And I said, well, I'm not going to tell you what happened. I'm going to let their story get there. But, but that kind of stuff is the things you miss. Um, you know, that's, that's, that's the things you miss when you're, when you don't get a chance to open the locker room up. Great anecdote there, Joe. Uh, well, the Chiefs are 32nd in points allowed right now, but the team they face on Sunday 
ranks next to last, 31st allowed, Washington football team. Blair, I know you make the predictions uh, for the Kansas City Star sports page each week. Uh, it's early in the week, so I know you're probably t- still formulating things. But did the Chiefs uh, get back on track here? How do you see this one shaping up? Well, one thing is for sure is that there, there are a lot of similarities, surface similarities between these teams. They're both two and three, both coming off of uh, home losses, both, uh, you know, in the playoffs last year, um, both lost to Tampa in, in the playoffs last yeah. year. And, uh, and, and both are feeling pretty disappointed with the way the season has started for them. Now, having said all of that, the Chiefs are just clearly a better team. I mean, uh, and, and I, I do expect the Chiefs to have a, a performance similar to what we saw in Philadelphia the previous week and, uh, and, and kind of get their, be able to get their act together. I, I was, uh, you know, I was kind of struck. They both, they have a couple common opponents too. One of which is the Buffalo Bills, and the Bills wrecked. You know, they beat, they wrecked both teams. But um, I, I was surprised they were able to beat uh, Washington as easily as, as as it did, and score as many points on a team that I thought was coming into the season was going to be one of the better defensive teams right, in right. the NFL. Um, but uh, look, I I just think I, I'm I will I don't know what how I'm going to see the game in, in print yet, but I, I, the Chiefs, are, Chiefs will be my choice to win this game by how much, I, I don't know. But tell you what, Chiefs don't win this game. And we're already talking about not being a number one seed, and uh, now you have to question whether they're even a playoff team if they don't go to Washington and win. I, no, I th- Blair's exactly right. I mean, that's, that, would be, that would be disastrous. Like a, a loss against this team, even though – Blair, I'm not disagreeing with him, but you know, even though they have all those similarities, I still think they are a much, much better football team on on paper. Now, you don't play the games on paper. That's that's the thing. Um, I think the Chiefs win this game by ten. I I think the Chiefs get back on track offensively. I think they'll score. I mean, they're, it's going to be interesting to see without Clyde Edwards-Alaire and what they do, you know, in the running game. That's going to be interesting. I love, the, you know, we have to get the have to get the line in there a little bit, Jeff. I'm really happy with the way the line is playing. I, I, I thought, you know, I thought they did a fantastic job. Now, Buffalo didn't blitz a whole lot. They didn't bring a lot of pressure. They, re- they rushed four for pretty much the whole game. There's a handful of, you know, pressure uh, uh, blitzes, but it was pretty much they rushed four. And against the four, I thought the Chiefs O-line did fantastic. You know, I mean, um, we could have a whole podcast about the officiating and all that stuff, but we'll leave that up to, to the NFL offices to, to fight about. But I think, I think this offense is going to, going to really come together even without Clyde. And, and I think they win, you know, I think they win by 10. I think it's a, you know, 31, 17 type game, you know, where they, you know, they kind of dominate the game. They, they, they have a lot to get back on track though. Um, and I think they're going to have a lot of, a lot to prove on, on defense. I think that's what fans should be watching for. Joe, I think it might, I think it might be a couple, like a two touchdown margin. And the one nice thing for the chiefs is that um, their schedule does soften a little bit. Uh, so I, I do think um, this is time to kind of pick up some wins. I think they they might go to six and three, but as Blair said, the problem is now that they're so far behind, you know, with that one, they've had a home field and the bye for several years now in the playoffs. And that's, that's unfortunately, um, looking less and less likely, but hopefully they can get the win here this weekend. Well, Blair, thanks so much for joining us. You can read Blair Kirkhoff in the Kansas City Star and listen to him as the host of the Star's Daily Podcast, Sports Beat KC. And if you enjoyed this show presented by Bet Online, please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes 
We're available on your favorite directories, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.